From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Paul Krawczak, CQ's senior budget reporter, to talk about the sorry state of appropriations as Congress heads back to town for its July work period. Welcome back, Paul. Uh, David, thanks for inviting me again. So believe it or not, there are now only 25 days left when both the House and Senate plan to be in session before the start of the new fiscal year on October 1st. And there's still no bipartisan agreement on what spending levels should be and no action in the Senate at all on any of its spending bills. So, Paul, why isn't the Senate doing anything? The Senate is not doing anything because the Senate Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell has said that he wants um, an agreement on raising the spending caps before the Senate even marks up bills. Yeah, because in the House passed 10 of its 12 annual spending bills already. There was some talk in the Senate from the appropriations chairman, Richard Shelby, the Alabama Republican, that he wanted to do the same thing and proceed with Senate spending bills, just coming up with some notional top-line spending number, even though they don't have a deal yet on spending levels. But that's not flying, apparently. That's right. Shelby is the Senate appropriations chairman, and he has also been hoping for an agreement to raise the spending caps before he marks up. But what he has said is that if, if we can't get an agreement by the 4th of July, he said he would like to proceed after the 4th of July with temporary allocations. That's what he would like to do. And he must be very frustrated because he really wants to mark up bills. He has a good relationship with Pat Leahy, who is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Appropriations Committee. They work well together. Uh, they would really like to mark up bills, but they will not be able to, at least for the time being. Because of McConnell's opposition. That's right. And I think we have a little clip of McConnell expressing concerns about proceeding with these bills the way the House did without any overall spending level agreement that he, he said in a news conference just before the July recess. Like. Let's play a little bit of that. I don't think that works for us. And I think the way forward in the absence of a caps deal, at least for Senate purposes, is more complicated. But we're going to continue to talk about this and hopefully get a resolution to how much we're going to spend this year, next year, and the debt ceiling altogether uh, so that we don't end up with these periodic uh, chaotic situations. So, Paul, McConnell doesn't like what the House did, just proceeding with bills before we have this bipartisan deal. Why not? What's his, what's his opposition to that approach? Well, think about the dynamics. You, in the House, the House is always a partisan body. It's controlled by Democrats. Uh, and they have, they have, the House has actually passed 10 of its 12 bills by the end of June, which is pretty amazing. Right. They did sweep them through. But the Senate uh, is controlled by Republicans. Obviously, President Donald Trump is a Republican. If the Senate were to start marking up bills, I mean, with temporary allocations, temporary numbers. I think one of McConnell's big concerns is that that would undermine the negotiating position of the White House and even undermine the negotiating position of Senate Republicans. Undermining it, because the White House is pushing for lower spending levels than what Congress is likely to agree to. 
Right. The White House wants uh, a big increase in defense spending, but right. it actually wants a cut in non-defense spending. There's no way that Democrats are going to sign on to a uh, budget deal that would cut non-defense. Right. They, they want non-defense raised an equal amount to defense. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you went ahead with a temporary spending higher than what the White House wants, you're undermining their position. Right. And you would have to, in the Senate, they would have to figure out what numbers are we going to go with. And those numbers would have to be negotiated with Democrats because it would be very hard to even mark up bills in the Senate Appropriations Committee if you don't have an agreement between Shelby and Leahy on those numbers. Right. So It has to be bipartisan in the Senate because they need 60 votes on the floor. Right, right. So why, why would McConnell want to go on the record with temporary numbers that would set up a conflict with the White House? It's not real clear right now what the White House wants either. I mean, you know, President Trump said he wanted to increase defense spending and, and reduce non-defense spending. But in the most recent negotiating session, White House officials said that as a fallback position, they would support freezing spending for one year at current levels and suspending the debt limit for one year. But that didn't play well with members of Congress, right, of either party? Uh, Not with many members of Congress. Certainly Democrats in general don't like that idea, and uh, many Republicans um, don't like that idea either. I mean, there are problems with freezing spending, with with using a continuing resolution, because it's very hard to make changes in where the money is spent, because you basically have to go with the way it was spent the previous year. Right. So it's hard to adjust for the future year. But the other thing is, if you freeze spending, you don't get an increase in defense or non-defense. And so the defense hawks obviously want an increase in defense, and, and most lawmakers want an increase in non-defense as well. And just last week, I think, there was a letter sent from Senate Republicans, some key Senate Republicans, opposing this freeze idea, right? Right. There were 15 Senate Republicans, including James Inhofe, the Senate Armed Services uh, Chairman, and David Perdue, a uh, Republican senator from Georgia. And in this letter, they really urged the White House not to pursue a freeze in spending, basically for national defense reasons. They said the president can't accomplish his national defense strategy um, without an increase mm-hmm. in defense spending. Um, the White House hit back pretty hard on that letter. They said that it's all well and good to say that, but how about if Republicans come up with a way to prevent Democrats from putting riders into appropriations bills, for example? So it it seems like this freeze idea is is something of a non-starter now that isn't going to get far, which leaves us back to square one in terms of these spending cap negotiations uh, with neither side willing to budge, right? Well, the freeze may be a non-starter, but it also might give the White House a little bit of negotiating leverage because even though most lawmakers don't like the idea of a freeze, it could happen. I mean, you you could actually freeze spending for a year and suspend, the debt, and right. suspend the debt limit for a year. Right. So 
it does it does provide an alternative for Republicans to the idea of basically going along with what with whatever Democrats want. Right. So it's it's a fallback that's still out there, but no one really likes. And we should remind people again: they need a deal raising the current spending limits because of this deficit reduction law from 2011 that would mandate across the board cuts if if you exceed a certain spending cap. Uh, and we'd ha- we'd be facing cuts to all discretionary programs of about 10 percent in the coming fiscal year, unless they get a deal raising the spending limits. Uh, I think what we can look forward to, though, is um, added pressure to negotiate an agreement to raise the caps. I mean, now that the Senate is not the Senate is not going to go forward on marking up appropriations bills, the House is basically done passing its appropriations bills. So really, the only way forward is a caps deal. There's added pressure. There's greater pressure to pursue a caps deal. That doesn't mean it's going to come anytime soon. I mean, it could right. potentially come soon, but if history is any guide, it, it never probably, comes early. It never comes early. It probably won't happen until after the end of the fiscal year. The fiscal year ends September 30. Which means we're probably looking at another stopgap measure, a continuing resolution to extend current funding into the new, the new fiscal year. And, Paul, complicating these spending cap talks also is this debt limit issue, right? Because the debt limit is going to have to be raised by the fall. The debt limit is arguably even more important than the appropriations because if the, if the debt limit is not raised in time, um, the government will not be able to honor its debt obligations or pay its bills. You would be looking at a potential default. The government has never experienced that before. Conservatives have pushed for spending cuts in exchange for a debt limit increase in the past, but the only time it really worked was back in 2011. It hasn't worked since then. But the debt limit certainly has an impact on the timeline because the current projections are that these extraordinary measures or these these uh, accounting maneuvers, which are right. used to keep the debt under the limit, those measures are projected to be exhausted in the September-October period, roughly. That could change. So really, Congress has to reach an agreement on the budget and attach a debt limit suspension to that around that time or do a temporary suspension of the debt limit, a short-term temporary suspension of the debt limit, which Congress has done before, but uh, that is not ideal because, I mean, that would create nervousness within the financial markets. So that sets up this September showdown just as the fiscal year is going to start in October for both a debt limit action and spending caps and probably the need for another stopgap measure as this mess continues. Right. And just remind people now, the House, though, did pass on party-line votes, of course, but the House did pass 10 of its 12 annual bills. They wanted to pass all 12. They got 10 through. But two have been held up. The Homeland Security bill has been held up, which funds the Department of Homeland Security. And the legislative branch bill has been held up, which funds the operations of Congress and some legislative agencies that associate with it. Why did they pull the plug on those bills? Well, on the legislative branch bill, um, that bill included a provision which basically would allow a inflation increase for congressional salaries. 
and there are a lot of Democrats, vulnerable Democrats running and vulnerable Democrats running in districts um, who are afraid to raise uh, lawmaker salaries. Yeah, that's always a hard vote because it would be the first pay raise for members of Congress in a decade, I think. It's been a while. So anyway, because of that, the legislative branch bill um, is not going anywhere in the House. Then there's the Homeland Bill. Now, the House Appropriations Chairwoman Nita Lowy had, had written that Homeland Bill. She was involved in writing that yeah. Homeland Bill. It very much is sort of, it prohibits a lot of the things and a lot of the funding that Trump has asked for, for, for immigration, uh, for Border Patrol, for the wall, etc., uh, but nevertheless, there is funding for the Immigration Service and for the Customs and Border Patrol Service in that bill. And there are members of the Hispanic Caucus and members of the Progressive Caucus who oppose even that, even some of that funding. The main thing is that it triggers a whole new fight over how much to fund for the border wall, if at all. I mean, that sets up the huge debate that brought us to a standstill last year and led to the longest partial government shutdown in history. Right. So this, this homeland bill does not provide any money for, for a border wall. Which is... Right, right. But even, even so, there are other provisions in that bill that, that liberal Democrats in the House are opposed to. Okay. So that bill probably does not have the support to pass the House. Okay. And then the other thing is that these appropriations bills take time to move across the floor, and the Democrats want to get some, some other legislation passed. So basically, uh, it's the end of the road for the regular appropriations process in the House. So we'll be watching for any movement on spending cap talks or signs of a Senate strategy on appropriations, and CQ will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Paul Krawczak, CQ Senior Budget Reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week.